You know, I've heard it said a few times that when you know what to preach, preach Jesus. When you don't know what to preach, preach Jesus. And so I, for one, believe that I shall stick to the same thing that has worked for 22 years here at Anchor Baptist Church and for, for years in the Christian church. Acts 2, Acts chapter 2. I do want to apologize to our folks that were standing for so long, <laughs> but uh, thanks for uh, putting up with that. Acts chapter number 2. I want to call your attention to a few verses uh, that really spoke to me. God was uh, really impressing this text upon my heart. As I, consider, as I really consider the question, why are we here? What are we doing this for? Why bother meeting on a Sunday morning and taking time out of our schedule to be here at church today? I think the, the scourge and the the curse, if I can say, of the modern church is Sunday morning religion. Sunday morning religion. And then by Monday and by Tuesday, I can do whatever I want on Sunday morning religion. Nothing wrong with meeting in church on a Sunday, but if your religion, if my religion is a Sunday morning religion, that's not how God wants us to live. I want you to call your attention, please, to verse number 41, Acts 2:41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in what? In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They continued in breaking of bread and in prayers. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you bless uh, this preaching time, I pray that you get the glory uh, for all that's said and done today. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen. I have a few texts for us to turn to. The subject of this morning's preaching time is derived from our text verse, which is found in 1 Timothy 3.15. So let's turn there, 1 Timothy 3.15. First Timothy 3.15, inspired scripture reads, If I tarry long, Paul wrote to Timothy, this young man, really about 35 years old, If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I'd like to preach to, the, uh, to all of you today on this uh, subject and to myself as well on this matter of the church of the living God. And you say, hey, Brother Kevin, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. Now what? What's the point? I'm saved. Uh, there is more uh, to being saved and going to church on a Sunday morning. At some point during the message, I'd like to define the church uh, and what is the church. But before I do, um, I'd like to ask, why? <laughs> why do I need to get saved? Okay, I'm going to do something a little bit different here, and I think that's okay to do. Um, why should I get saved? Give me a moment.
Sound check. I don't think there's anything wrong with audience interaction on a Sunday morning. I don't know about you. Why is it, why is it important for someone to be saved? Just talk at me. Maybe someone raise their hand. Someone's curious about answering this question or, 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 or would like to know the answer. Why must I be saved? Why is it important that every single person, every mother's child, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, why is it important that everyone uh, should consider Christ? Why should someone be saved? Does someone have the answer to that question? Anybody? Why must I be saved, Brother Andrew? Help me out here, folks. I can't hear him. Yes, God wants people to be saved. God wants, to be, uh, wants people to be Christian. He wants people to be born again. Someone else help me. Brother Andrew, to go to heaven, there's a good answer. Why should someone be saved? To go to heaven. Brother Barry, God loves us. He took our punishment for us. In John 3.16, uh, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Brother Jose, his love for us, he died for us. Somebody else, I thought I saw one more hand, and that will probably be the last one, unless that was a flinch and just kind of scratching your ear. Anybody else? We need to be saved. We need to be saved. In the Old Testament, uh, the word of God says, look unto me, all the ends of the earth, and be ye saved. Saved from what, you may ask? Turn to Romans. Turn to Romans in chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. I want to show you this. Uh, this really helps me. We have a lot of church lingo. Sometimes we'll go door to door, and we'll knock on someone's door, and we'll say, are you saved? They have no idea most of the time what we're talking about. Saved from what? What are we saved from? Look at Romans 8. Romans 8. In verse 1, Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Um, look at uh, verse uh, 6. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The carnal mind, verse 7, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law, uh, of God, neither indeed uh, can be. Uh, verse number eight, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, um, God uh, wants you uh, to be saved. He wants me uh, to be saved. Um, it's, it says in the word of God uh, that we are saved from the wrath of God. You know, I got the numbers mixed up. Uh, it should be Romans 5. Uh, so let's turn one page over in your Bible uh, to Romans 5. Good verses in Romans 8 too. I hope you'll consider those. Uh, but Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrated. He commended. He showed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look at verse 9. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We are saved from the wrath of God. We are saved from the wrath of God. God is a good God. God must punish sin. And how do you balance these two attributes? God's justice and God's love. At the cross, those two attributes of God intersected. And God realized and understood that he had to punish sin, but he loves humanity. 
And so he stood against the flow of his own torrential anger and wrath against sin, against evil. He must punish the rapist. He must punish the criminal. He must punish all liars and unbelievers. But Jesus stood in the way of God's wrath. And we see here we shall be saved from the wrath of God through who? Through Jesus Christ. Everybody needs to be saved from the wrath of God. How was somebody saved? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Now by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't work your way to heaven. Faith is not a work. It's dependence on the worker. F-A-I-T-H, for all I take him. Have you taken Jesus today? These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know today, if you're not sure, that you're on your way to heaven. You can know for sure that you are on your way to heaven, and you need to know that. But if you are saved today, now what? Acts chapter number 2 has some advice for us. Hey, after those people had gladly received the word of God, they, they that gladly received his word, they were saved, they were baptized, and they were added to the church daily, such as should be saved. And in Acts chapter 9, let's turn there. I don't, hope you don't mind uh, turning a lot in your Bible. But Acts chapter 9 uh, talks about a few things. The book of James also says, They that know to do good and do it not to them, it is sin. Acts chapter 9 uh, verse number one, Saul, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, desired of him letters to Damascus and to the synagogues that if he, uh, if he found any of this way, speaking of Christianity, if he found anyone of the way, whether they were men or women, uh, his plan was to bring them bound to Jerusalem. In verse four, uh, we find that a light hit him from heaven. He fell to the earth. Saul, Saul, why persecutest Thou, me. Long story short, let me abbreviate it for you. Saul became a Christian. Saul changed his name. He changed it from Saul to Paul. Look down at verse number 26, Acts 9, 26. Saul, who hadn't yet changed his name, was come to Jerusalem. He essayed. He planned. He wanted to join himself to the disciples. There are some people in this congregation that knows what a disciple is. I'm looking for two words, okay? What does the word disciple mean? Somebody help me. What is a disciple? A teachable student or a disciplined learner, a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 26, he essayed, he desired to join himself to the disciplined learners, to those who uh, wanted uh, to follow Christ. <laughs> Verse 26, later on, it says, they were all afraid of him. They were all afraid of Saul, and believe not, he was a disciple. That next verse is pretty cool. Pastor Turner's favorite Bible characters in the next verse. Would you look at it with me, please? Acts 9, 27, but Barnabas, the son of encouragement, Barnabas took him. What's in a name? A lot's in a name. <laughs> Barnabas was an encourager. He took Saul. He took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he's seen the Lord in the way and that uh, he, Jesus, had spoken to him and how 
Paul had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And what ended up happening here is that Paul joined himself to the disciples. He joined himself to a local assembly of believers, and he became loyal to uh, this, not not to a man, but to the Lord uh, working through people in this uh, congregation. Uh, We need to be uh, uh, understanding that the church is a local called out assembly of believers. In other words, it's just a group of people who are not perfect. A group of people who are not perfect, who are seeking the perfect one, that want to get close to the Lord. I've heard it said before, if you will stay doctrinally and morally pure, God can use you. If you will stay doctrinally and morally pure, God can use you. If you are saved and I am saved, we can both grow. But if I never see you and you never see me and I never look into the whites of your eyes and you never look in mine, we know that the Bible says iron sharpens iron. But I believe church attendance is important. I'm not talking about, you know, just the formal meetings, you know, three to thrive, whatever. But if you're a Christian and you know it, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back soon? Raise your hand. You believe Jesus is on the way. Oh, yeah, he's on his way. You, you, you look at society around us. You see the pain. You see the suffering. You see the agenda that the devil's pushing. Jesus is on the way, and we need to be encouraging each other. And we do our best to be in church. If you can't be in church, I understand. We have, we have live stream, but nothing replaces being in person, okay? Virtual church is not a replacement uh, for being uh, with the people. Not just to hear some guy in a monkey suit talk, okay? Who cares about me? It's about the Bible. We serve an unchanging Christ in an ever-changing world. You can trust the Lord today. You can trust the Lord today. I want to show you something else. I know this is kind of more of a topical sermon. I'm jumping around and talking about a lot of things. But I want to really show you this, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Brother Yassine, could we help this a little bit? Just a little bit more. Thank you so much. 1 Corinthians 14. The previous chapter talks about the love of God. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. You know, there are some people in this congregation that know a lot of stuff. Okay? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one toward another. They're not going to know that we're Jesus' disciples by our dresses and tresses and musical preferences, but by the love we have for each other. we got to have the love of Christ. And if you notice in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, You don't have to look at it, but I can read it there. It says, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. If I was to replace the word charity for the word Christ, I would not do a disservice to the passage at all. I'm not saying change the Bible, but God is love. God is charity. Christ suffereth long. Christ is kind. Christ envieth not. Christ vaunteth not himself. Is not puffed up. And if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. A little Christ. (laughs) You're a follower of Christ. Many years ago, they talked about a term, hey, be Jesus. Be Jesus. Be like Jesus. 
I'm not saying, I'm not uh, preaching something heretical here, but you understand the idea that, you know, hey, God lives in me, and so it's important that I let God speak through me. It shouldn't be uh, uh, my, my devices or my words or my ideas. It should be Scripture working in my life because I've been spending so much time uh, with uh, the Lord. Could you put your name in there? Ross suffereth long. Julia is kind. Yassine doth not behave himself unseemly. Becky rejoiceth not in iniquity. Barry beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things. This is Jesus. This is who he's like. And in the next chapter, Paul is indicting the Corinthian church, a church that had forgotten its first love, a church that was living in sin. It was the ancient Las Vegas. It was kind of like Sin City, but in ancient times. And he was saying, hey, follow after charity, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy, that you may learn how to preach and teach uh, the Bible clearly. And then he starts talking about stuff like speaking in tongues. And some of you have been in churches uh, where there'll be uh, some Pentecostal idea of uh, preaching in tongues, and maybe you'll see someone take off their suit jacket and whack someone, and they'll go crazy, and they'll have laughing spells. Uh, that's not a church, okay? And he starts talking about unknown tongues uh, here. And uh, look at verse uh, 22. Wherefore tongues are for a sign. These are known tongues, not unknown angelic tongues, okay? Tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, okay? Now we're getting to the crux of things, to the heart of what I want to talk about today. These are not for them which believe, but to them that believe not. For prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Prophesying or preaching, who's it for? Church, who's that for? That's for those who believe. At least preaching in the church house. If judgment's going to happen, judgment must first begin at the house of God. And look at verse 23. If the whole church comes together in one place and I'll speak with tongues, if we're all acting crazy and speaking in different tongues and different languages, and there's no agreement, God is not the author of confusion, but if there's confusion in the church and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, here's a question. Will they not say that you are mad? Won't they say you're crazy? If there's no agreement, if there's no doctrinal unity, if there's no, when I say doctrine, I'm talking about truth. Okay, if there's no truth, if there's no unity in the church, uh, if there's nothing like that, will they not say that ye are mad? Verse 24, if all prophesy, if everyone's speaking the truth in love, and there, came, there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. This is the unbeliever, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God. And report that God is in you of a truth. I think here's another problem with the modern church. We rely on our worship services to be our main method of evangelism. Pastor Turner's primary job is to, yes, preach the gospel. But our primary job 
as attendees of Anchor Baptist Church is not to get our, uh, get our friends and get all our family in here so that they can hear pastor lead them to the Lord. No, everybody's a preacher in a sense. Everybody's uh, t- telling other people about the Lord. Everyone's speaking the truth in love. Everyone is growing in their ability to uh, maybe not necessarily hand out gospel tracts, but um, you know, you, you know the, enough of the Bible to tell someone about the truth of the word of God. And um, what I worry about sometimes is that we're not growing enough so that we can't even tell people that there is a God that loves them. There is a Jesus that died on the cross for their sins. Hey, there needs to be personal growth in our lives so that when our friends see us, they don't say, 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 say wow, what a, what a wonderful young man that is. Or what a, what a great, great, kind, sweet old lady she is. They should be able to say what a God they serve. There's something different about that man. There's something different about that woman. Because they abide in the secret place. They know Jesus personally. And what's different about their lives, I want for myself. And you can't help but speak the things which you have seen and heard. You can't help it. And so what's on the inside comes out. They cut you, you bleed Bible. That's what it should be like. If the whole church come in together in one place and speak in tongues, they come in, those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you're mad? So I'm going to make a hopefully not controversial statement. But I would submit to you today that this meeting right now is not for unsaved people. If an unsaved person comes in, praise the Lord. But this meeting, this preaching time, is for people that know the Lord so that we can be together around the doctrine and around the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and also uh, uh, in prayer. We're supposed to come together worshiping the Lord. And if, if an unbeliever comes in, well, well, more power to them. I'd love for them. To, the, 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 one of the most wonderful things uh, to happen, uh, especially in North American church culture, if someone darkens the door of a church for the very first time and they're Buddhist or they're, uh, or, or they're, they're, they're Hindu or they're Sikh and they're curious and they're seeking, we do not want to turn them away. Come on in. Welcome. I want to be your friend. I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about the only one that can change your life and the one that changed my life. In verse 25, or rather verse 24, if everyone's speaking the truth in love and the love of God has really filled their hearts, if all prophesy, there come in one that believeth not. There's the implication that the, <laughs> the greatest amount of people in the church should be saved people, not unsaved people, Okay. Maybe there'll be someone who's unsaved, Paul's saying. Maybe someone who doesn't know the Lord. Maybe someone who's lost to walk in, right? And he, he doesn't know a lot. He believeth not, or he's unlearned. He doesn't understand everything. But he's convinced of all, and he's judged of all. When he hears the Bible, his life is changing, man. He's thinking. He's thinking about the truth of the word of God. And, uh, man, uh, the truth will set you free, but it first must make you miserable. And maybe they're uncomfortable when they step into church. And they should be uncomfortable when they step in church. Because, hey, church is a little bit different from everything else that's out there in society. Let me be frank. And he, sa- and he says here, the secrets of his heart, this unbeliever's heart, they're made manifest. They're secret sins. The stuff they uh, uh, know is wrong, but they do it anyway. And falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. In other words, he knows there's something different about me. He knows there's something different about you. But church is for believers. 
The church is for believers. So I want to encourage you today, if you're not saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 16.31. Believe on means to place your dependence in. Faith is not a work. It's dependence on the worker. To believe on Christ means to depend on him like I sit in this chair. I'm depending on this chair to hold my weight. We need to depend on Christ to hold us and to sustain us, and we have to actually put our trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hey, I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm born again. Society now calls me a Christian. If any man suffer as a Christian, Peter said. Hey, Christian is the name that society gave us, okay? I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, John chapter number uh, 19. I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the Bible term, but the world calls us Christian. And we'll adhere, we'll adhere to that. We don't mind being called that. They were first called Christians at Antioch. Hey, I'm a Christian. Now what? Hey, you need to be saved. You need to be baptized. You need to be added to the church. If you're not scripturally baptized, we can show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that uh, the immersion or, or, or baptism uh, is the next step for your life. You need to be added to a church. You need to join a church. Um, because the church is filled with people who are saved. They are baptized by immersion. They don't have water sprinkled on them. No, they're dunked in the water, okay? And uh, symbolizing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. They're baptized, and now they join a church. Remember, Paul essayed. He desired to join himself unto them. Why do I need to join a church? Is this a country club? Is this a community program? Are we a food bank? I'm not against food banks. I'm not against churches that have those. There's a Presbyterian church down the road that has a food bank every Saturday at 1230. I love that. That's great. We should be giving to the poor and helping uh, the homeless and whatever we can to do that. If we have the ability, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him into sin. But the greatest good that we can do for someone is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and live a life becoming of that. So live the Christian walk. I need to be in church because there are men and women relying on God's work in my life, my testimony. Hey, you know, you're, you're going through a mess right now. You're going through a, a troublesome time. Hey, you can't have a message if you've never had a mess. You can't have a testimony if you've never had a test. Some of us are being tested right now. I go so far to uh, submit to you that, hey, our church is going through something. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You need to join a church. You need to be a part of a church. You need to be involved in what God's involved in. When God's moving, when the train's moving, I want to be on that train, amen? I want to be moving when God's moving. What does the church do? Turn to Acts chapter 2 again. We're talking about the church of the living God. What does a church do? I'd like to revisit this topic at another time. This is kind of a general uh, bird's eye view. But I believe in the church. I believe it's important. You know, our, our church has a name. <laughs> it's called the Anchor Baptist Church, Anchor Baptist Church of Burnaby. And it's based, Anchor is based upon Hebrews 6 and verse 18 and 19 and 20, talking about God, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. And we're Baptists because uh, we believe that the Bible is the final authority for faith and practice. 
If it's in the Bible, I believe it from cover to cover. I believe the Bible. That, that's why positionally uh, we've decided really to name our church that. Uh, by God's grace, in 2001, uh, God uh, impressed one pastor's heart, a preacher boy with a Bible under his arm, to, 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 to come and minister to a place like this. Uh, Vancouver, a city of 2.5 million people and growing. We need to learn doctrine. We need to learn of this fellowship, breaking of bread, continuing in gladness and singleness of heart. Look at verse 42. Acts 2.42. They, speaking of the church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. If words have meaning and language has integrity, then ideas matter. Okay? Let's revisit the text again. Acts 2.42. They. Who's they? That's the church. They continued. They kept going. They moved on. The next word, they are steadfastly. That adverb, that L-Y, right? Steadfastly. They continued. It didn't matter what obstacle was there. They, they, saw, they, they saw obstacles. Maybe society did. Society saw obstacles, but the church of the living God, they saw opportunities. And they saw opportunities, and they uh, moved forward. They continued steadfastly in what? They con uh, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Not just any doctrine. They continued in the doctrine of the apostles. What is an apostle? In this passage, it's talking about the position of an apostle, one that had seen the Lord. Apostle means sent one. In other words, they were messengers. There are some false teachers today that talk about being an apostle. Hey, I'm an apostle of God, and if I wave this hanky over you and you give me money, I, 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 I promise you that God's going to give you that McLaren. I promise you that God's going to give you this, that Lamborghini or, or a mansion. Be careful of those prosperity preachers, okay? Uh, but they continued in the doctrine of the apostles. They continued in the, uh, the doctrine of those who had been with Jesus and seen him personally. And what I love about that, it's a possessive word. And so it wasn't just the doctrine of God. It wasn't just God's doctrine. The, the apostles had made it their own. This is close to their hearts. They loved the Lord, and they were sharing the truth, the doctrine, the facts about the Bible that they had learned about Scripture with other people. And they continued, nextly, that conjunction there, and they're not done there. The sentence isn't done. They continued in the doctrine. They continued in fellowship. We got to be around each other, folks. We got to encourage each other. If you don't know what's going on in the lives of somebody beside you, Maybe it's time to learn that. Maybe we got to be a little bit more friendly with each other. Maybe we got to start being friends. Right? I, 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 I can say some tough stuff, guys. You know, if your closest friends are not in the church, I believe there's something wrong. Can I say that again? If your closest friends are not in the church, I'm not saying this church, okay? Maybe you're not a member of this church. I understand. Maybe I'm preaching to our folks, okay? This is also to me, okay? Because, like, you know, sometimes I get so busy, I don't even I don't talk to people as I should. This is an indictment on all of us, okay? Myself included. We got to be friends, not just acquaintances. Not just acquaintances. We got to know, know each other. We got to bear each other's burdens, but how can we bear each other's burdens if we don't even know each other? We got to get to know each other. We got to encourage each other. 
And some people will attend this church five years, six years, seven years, uh, ten years. And uh, by, by year 11, COVID hits, and they say, you know what? <laughs> you know, I don't really got a lot of friends there. They're kind of weird. They stand up for three hens and sit down for one. And, you know, they're just little, they're just, oh, they're so suits and ties and this and that. And they're all formal, and they don't know what they're talking about. Listen, the Bible is <laughs> the most important thing. That's why we're here today. And there's a reason for the formality. There's a reason for all that, right? But if you don't ask questions, you won't get them answered. <laughs> and so we need to get together and ask those questions, get to know each other, and, 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 and get to know each other's burdens, okay? And, and that's a little bit of what fellowship is. It's getting in the yoke with each other. It's laboring together. It's seeing a need there in the soundboard. It's seeing there a need in, with, with the ushers or uh, seeing a need with, with, with fellowship and coming together. Or maybe, like, you know, we're preparing for a meal. Maybe, maybe we got to bring a dish or something. I don't know. Find a way to serve. And in breaking of bread. Amen. I love food. Praise, praise God. Breaking of bread. Come on now. And in prayers. And in prayers. And I don't want to gloss over that prayer part. We have men and women who are praying for the service right now. I know where they are and can name them, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to embarrass them. <laughs> but there are people praying for this service right now. And, hey, one of the greatest things you can do, one of the greatest things I can do is be a prayer warrior. Turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. For sake of time, I'll begin reading when I get there. Psalm 91. Why are we in church? Hey, God is worthy. He commands it, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. If you can be here, try to be here. And there's a reason for it. Keep asking those questions. I might not have all the answers. Pastor Turner may not have the answers. But the Bible has the answers to your questions. I'm not going to go uh, tell you, hey, go see Pastor Google. But a lot of your basic questions can be answered sometimes if you will uh, preface your question with KJV or something. I'm serious, man. Uh, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. This is a pretty cool uh, psalm. Pages sticking together here. Give me a moment, eh? There we go. Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We got to dwell there. We got to live there. Do you pray? <laughs> I don't pray nearly as often as I should. I want to pray more. And prayer, we've heard it defined before, simply talking to God. In a more medieval 1611 context, I would go so far to say, like, hey, prayer, to pray someone is to ask someone for something. But there are different ways of speaking to God. There are ways in which you can just adore him. Adoration. We can confess our sins. Confession. We can give him thanks, thanksgiving. We can supplicate. We can ask. Supplication. A-C-T-S. Adoration. Uh, we, we, we can uh, confess our sins to him. Confession. Give him thanks. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Flee fornication. It's the will of God. And you're not going to know the will of God unless you know the word of God. And so, uh, hey, abide in the secret place. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. 
and he delighteth in his way. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Should give you the desires of your heart. It starts with the delight, though. And he's going to change the way you think if you delight in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You ask him, hey, lead me in the way everlasting. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. Hey, he's the most high. There ain't no high like the most high. God is high. He's holy. And we sang about that today. Thrice holy God. He will not tolerate sin. He will not allow sin into his presence. And that's why he's angry with the wicked every day. He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Jesus said, enter into thy closet. Hey, it's time to pray, folks. Not just for our pastor, but for other things. Maybe you're going through something probably that I have no idea. I'm going through some things that possibly you have no idea, and I will never tell you. We need to be in a spirit of prayer for each other. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, verse 2, and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Is he your refuge? Is he your fortress? Is he your number one? Some of us, we worry about the physical things of life. Where's the money going to come from? Uh, hot take, okay. Um, I think Vancouver is the most expensive city in Canada. They say Toronto, but I don't believe that. Because we got the gasoline and we got the groceries, baby. I'm telling you, man, it is way expensive here. Vancouver is the most expensive city in Canada. Where's the, where, where's the money going to come from, man? Do I got to work one job, two jobs, three jobs? How many jobs do I got to work to put food on the table for my family, for my children? That's a legitimate concern. But Matthew chapter 6 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. I'm not saying line the pastor's wallets. Who cares about that? You, you know, I, I get worried sometimes when you talk about money. People want to, like, you know, cling onto their wallets and their purses. Like, you won't get it from me. But listen. No, I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about heartfelt devotion. I'm, about, I'm talking about time. I'm talking about talent. I'm talking about treasure. I'm talking about our whole hearts and our whole lives given over in full devotion to the only one who is worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive power and honor and glory and blessing. Is he not worthy for all the things he's done in your life? Don't you feel bad sometimes about how little you give to God and he's given so much to you and he's given so much to me? What is man that thou art mindful of him? I'll never forget what my, my, my dad was telling me the other day. He's not here. You pray for him. He said, man, the Lord is excited to see you. He will joy over you with singing. Hey, when you get up in the morning, are you excited to see the face of God? Are you excited to meet with him? He's excited to meet with you. Teenager, listen, you may be thinking, oh, this video game, this sport, th th this, this hobby is the most exciting thing in my life. Listen, God is the originator of everything good and wonderful and fun in this world. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Don't you believe that God wants everything good for you? He doesn't want anything bad. Some of you think that I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to sit on a cloud, and I'm going to play this beautiful harp. And I'm just going to sing the praises of God all day. No, hey, everything you enjoy in this earth, on this earth, is infinitely better up there. You like sports? I'm sure if sports were necessary for your joy in heaven, there's something better up there. This is a shadow of things to come. Folks, don't get 
involved in the temporal. Don't sacrifice the eternal on the uh, altar of the temporal. God wants something great for your life. God wants something great for my life, but we got to give God everything. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. All these things shall be added unto you. Consider the lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin. But King Solomon, in all of his glory, we talked about him earlier today. He was not arrayed like one of those. If God so clothed the grass of the field, shall he not clothe you, O ye of little faith? God knows what you need. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, he doesn't even ask you to die for him. He died for you. He doesn't ask you to die for him. He says, I died for you. Would you consider living for me? Your whole life. All of it. All means all. And that's all all means. God wants your whole life. I'll close with this illustration. I heard a story once of a little boy. He, uh, he had a wooden boat, a toy boat. He loved his toy boat. He brought it with him everywhere. This was years ago when kids didn't have phones. And, you know, they made up their own fun. Brother Gord taught me about that. In the 1920s, I had a six-hour-long phone call with him. And he's like, yeah, you're in grade 8, Kevin, but let me tell you about life in the 40s. You know, we made toy guns. And we did stuff in Saskatchewan. I was like, cool, man. But this, bo this boy, he had a wooden boat. And he loved this wooden boat. And he took it with him everywhere. And uh, sometimes he'd, he'd think it was safe and it could float, right? And so he'd take it by the riverside. And he'd tie a little string on that boat. And he'd put the boat in the water. And let the, bottom, he let the boat float in the water. And he'd lead it along with, with, with that string. And then one day, he was just peacefully on the lake. And there was a great storm that suddenly seemed to be brewing in the sky, but he didn't pay attention. He was so excited with the boat. It was sunny earlier in the day. So he didn't pay any, any mind. He kept holding that boat, leading it on by the string. But the rain got torrential. It got horrendous. It got terrible. It was a soaker. And it took that boat and took it right down to the sewers. He lost his grip, and there the boat was, never to be seen again, so he thought. He was worried. He was sad. He was bawling his eyes out. He saved money to, to build that boat, and he tried his very best. He made that boat. That was his boat. And he was never going to see it again, so he thought. So one day he was walking down Main Street, and he was walking by the, the, the toy shop window, and once you know it, there's, there, there was this boat right there in the storefront window. And he said, that's my boat. I carved my initials right there beside the sail. That's my boat. That's my boat. And he, and he walks in, and he uh, knocks on the door, and he says, hey, uh, Mr. Shopkeeper, hey, I believe you have my boat. That's my boat on the windowsill. And, and, and that manager, that shopkeeper, he was not the nicest man. He said, son, you better look at that price tag, because I'm not giving that away for free. So the little boy, he goes to that storefront window, and he checks the price tag, and he says, Phew. that's more than I can pay. That's more money than I, 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 I had to save up to build this boat. And he said, sir, 
You sure you can't give it away for free? I, I'm telling you, man, I, I made that boat. My initials right there by the sail. That's my boat. I made that boat. That's my, that's my favorite thing in the whole world. That's my boat. <laughs> Shopkeeper said, son, there's a price tag on there for a reason. That boy, he went to work. He mowed lawns. He pinched pennies. He did whatever he could to save up money. And he, uh, he got a bag. He, he brought uh, uh, all his piggy banks. He got them all together. And one day, up on Main Street, you could see that little boy marching towards that shop. He had all his money in tow, all those pennies, all those nickels, all those dimes that he had saved. And he marched triumphantly to the counter and laid the money on the counter. And he said, that's my boat. I want my boat back. And the shopkeeper said, all right, here it is. And you could hear the little boy as he walked out of the store. He said, little boat, little boat, you're mine, you're mine. You're mine because I made you, and you're mine because I bought you. Look, please, hey, little boat, little boat, you're mine, you're mine. You're mine because I made you, and you're mine because I bought you. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Your his, Brother Jose, because he made you, because he bought you. Brother Yassin, you're his because he made you, because he bought you. Won't you give God your life? Are you saying, Brother Kevin, I, I, I don't have time. I, I, can't, I can't go to church three times a week. Then go one time a week. But every time the church doors are open, make an effort. Try. And then try to befriend the people around you. Why? Because we need to continue in doctrine. We need to continue in fellowship. We need to continue in breaking of bread and of prayers. Why? Because he's worthy. And there's a lost world out there that doesn't know the name of Jesus. There are people that don't know. And as long as there are people that don't know, we must continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You're his because he made you. You're his because he bought you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. We'll have the pianist walk over to the piano and be ready to play pretty soon, but not yet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You may, you may be saying, hey, Mr. Samilia, Pastor Kevin, listen, man, you talked about being a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I'd like to know how to be a Christian, but I'm not a Christian. I'd like to know how to be saved today, saved from the wrath of God. I've been to church maybe two or three times, maybe four times, maybe 40 times. But I don't know Christ. We have men and we have ladies with God's word in their hands and his love in their hearts that can show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. Don't delay. Jesus can, could come back in any moment. You could be walking across the street tonight or tomorrow. And you could be in eternity because a car hits you. There's no way of knowing the future. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. Today is the day of salvation. I'm saying today, hey, if you're not saved, if you're not a Christian, if you're not born again, if you died today, you're not 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven. You need to know that today. Would you raise your hand today and you, you say, hey, Pastor Kevin, I want to be a Christian. 
I'm not a Christian, but today I would like to make that decision. I'm not sure of heaven, but I would like to be sure of heaven. If someone would show me from the Bible, I would like to be a Christian. I'd like to learn how to be on my way to heaven today. Anybody like that? Raise your hand if that's you. Wave at me all around. Anybody like that? I'm not a Christian, but today I'd like to learn how I can know for sure. Maybe you are saved. Maybe you're a Christian. You're born again in this congregation. And you say, Brother Kevin, something from God's word today helped me. It helped me, and I'm praying that God would seal these things in my heart. Is there someone like that? Something I learned today helped me. I was blessed today by the Bible, by the word of God. Raise your hand if that's you. Hey, I learned something from the word of God today. You may put those hands down. How many of you would say, Brother Kevin, today I learned a little bit about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And I want to do a little bit better of a job on that, God helping me. I can't do it alone. Word of God says, without me, I can do nothing. But I'd like to do a better job with church attendance. I'm asking God to help me be faithful. Not because of Pastor Turner, not because of Pastor Kevin, but because the Bible says I shouldn't forsake the assembling. Anybody like that? Raise your hand if that's you. I don't want to forsake the assembling. Very good. You can put those hands down. Finally, just want to say, doctrine's important. How many of you would say, hey, Brother Kevin, I believe doctrine's important. I believe fellowship's important. I'm praying God would help me on this. Help me to understand the doctrine. Help me to fellowship and get to know people a little bit better in our church. Raise your hand if that's you. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better friend. Be a better brother. Be a better sister. All around. See those hands. You can put those down. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, help us to remember that we are the church of, of the living God. A local called out assembly. Called to worship for your name's sake, for your glory. Please help us, Lord. Thank you for thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.